0: I believe that the the body of Christ can restore that. Do you believe that? There is a there is a there has been a breakdown of honor when it comes to God and our government. There's been a breakdown of honor when it comes to even honoring the flag. We have a generation that has been so brainwashed with a socialistic mindset from process, professors and universities that. We have a generation that doesn't honor the flag. How many of you know that we need to restore that? Yeah, give God a hand if you want to. It is, uh, it is apparent from the last month or so that we have people that don't honor those that lay down their life for us every single day with the shootings in Baton Rouge and, and the things that are going on. And I believe that God wants us to restore that honor, and I believe today is a day to reflect that and say, am I doing my part to restore that honor, right? And, uh, and although today is a, is a day that, that we can be saddened with what happened, it's also a day that we can say, what do we do to restore honor? Well, if you honor something, then you're thankful, right? Right? If you honor something, you're thankful. If you honor something as a Christian, you pray for that thing. How many of you want to be dedicated to pray for our firemen, policemen, military? You want to be dedicated because you believe. You believe that we overcome, not in our own strength, but by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. You believe that prayers have power. Do you believe that? Do you believe that prayer has power? I believe today is a day where we can say, listen, we're going to stand and we're going to begin to pray for our nation. We're going to begin to pray for our military, for our firemen, for our policemen. Um, we're actually going to invite those guys to come up in a minute. You know, uh, I have a, a friend that's actually here. He, he is a police officer in Baton Rouge. And just what they have been going through for the last couple of months, uh, I believe that we should serve them. You know what I mean? I believe that not only should we be thankful, not only should we pray for them, but we should actually serve them and show our gratitude. The people to change uh, uh, a broken down um, honor is the people of God. There's no one that knows how to honor more than Jesus. He came on this earth and he honored God with his whole life and he lives in us. How many of you know that we need to restore honor in America? today. Look, I want to, if we can, if we can just have, uh, if you are a policeman, fireman, uh, public service, if you are A uh, a veteran, or you're in the military, you served in the past, can you just come up and line up behind us? We want to honor you. Come on, let's stand up and let's give these guys a hand. Just come on up. Come on, let's give them honor where honor is due. Come on, we can do even better than that. We're thankful for these guys. We're thankful, man. We're thankful. Yeah. You can remain standing if you want, because I think we should pray for our nation. And uh, we're going to pray for these guys as well. And then we're going to sing the national anthem, and we're going to honor our nation, amen. And so um, if you can, if you feel comfortable, if you can just stretch your hands out to these guys, and this is an act of faith because we believe that our prayer has power. And when they, when they lay their lives down for us, that they have our back, that we're able to protect our protectors and that we're praying for them and we're here for them. And while a whole world is um is turning their back and wanting to dishonor we're gonna as the children of god as the people of god we're saying we're standing for you and we're gonna be here for you come on stretch your hands lord we thank you for everyone standing here lord we thank you for those that have served your nation bless them god we thank you that those that are serving our nation today that are serving our state that are serving our city lord right now By the blood of Jesus, I pray that you begin to protect them. Lord, when they lay their lives down for us, Lord, let your angels be around them. Lord, let it not happen anymore where there are casualties because of a lack of prayer and a lack of honor. Lord, by the blood of Jesus, we apply your blood over them. We thank you, Lord, that a 1,000 may fall at their right, 10,000 at their left hand, but none will go nigh their dwelling. We thank you, Lord. Lord, that right now you're protecting them as children of God, as people of God. And, Lord, we make a decision right now to pray and stand for these, Lord, that give their lives every single day on the line to protect us, Lord. Bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says amen. Come on, give God a hand. And can we... Can we pray for our nation really quick? We're going to pray for our nation and we're going to sing the national anthem. Uh, We should take pride in that. Amen. Come on, right where you are, Lord, we pray for our nation. Lord, your word says that if we humble ourselves and pray, that if we turn from our wicked ways, Lord, that you will hear from heaven and that you will begin to heal our land. Lord, our land needs healing. Our land needs healing. Lord, begin to revive a spirit of honor again. Begin to revive your name again in this nation. Lord, we thank you for those that are serving And, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you're surrounding them with godly counsel. We apply the blood of Jesus over this nation. And as there's a sect of people that wants to see us destroyed, we thank you, Lord, that you set a table before us in the presence of our enemies, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives we bind the enemy's agenda to begin to lie to our people and begin to tell us that we should lay down and not fight Lord we thank you Lord that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force we thank you Lord that the government will take their place that you give them wisdom that they will protect our nation Lord as they would protect their home and we pray for the people of God to rise up, that they will begin to hear the sound that today is the day to begin to rise up and make a difference. We thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says amen, amen. Yeah, give God a hand. And this time, let's let's sing the national anthem and let's sing it differently this, this day. Let's sing it with uh, thinking about every word that we're saying. Can we do that? Come on, let's sing it. Come on, let's give God a hand for our nation. Come on, let's give God a shout for our nation. Let's give these guys a shout for serving us. We love you guys. Thank you, guys. Love you guys. Y'all can be dismissed. Come on, let's give them another hand. Wow. Wow. How many of you love our nation? I'm proud, too. I'm proud, too. Look, if you see these guys after service, give them a hug. Bless them. Give to them. I'm sure they'll take credit card numbers. I'm sure they'll, you know, whatever you can do. Show them appreciation. Um, I am, uh, I'm really today, today is really a special day for me because it was really, 9-11 was a time that, that really changed my life, and I know that it changed a lot of people's lives. Um, Obviously, it was 15 years ago, I was 19 years old, I moved back into my parents because I was in some trouble, How many of you know that pastors, uh, pastors have a past too. <laughs> I was back at my parents' house, and I um, uh, was trying to, you know, fix some things, and, and uh, I remember in the morning my mom opened the door, but when she opened the door, I knew something was wrong. You know how you know when you know somebody really well, you can tell every little thing by what kind of mood they're in, by the little things they do, right? You live with somebody. Like if my wife is uh, upset, she's opening the door quick, it's, certain, it's a certain sound that you get you know if she's calm, cool, collective, she slowly opened the door and you know, but it is a sound if you open the door and you're love when you know something's not right and and that morning, my mom opened the door and uh, it startled me, and I got up and uh she yelled my name, and she said, son, we're at war. We're, we're being attacked. So in my mind, I'm waking up. I'm, I'm not thinking clearly. I'm thinking tanks are going down the road or something. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, all I got is a little, little gun, you know. I don't have anything. And uh, I'm, I'm getting up. I'm trying to put on my clothes. I'm falling down the stairs. You know what I mean? Half naked. I finally get to the end of the stairs and my mom shows me the uh, TV. And, of course, one plane hit the Pentagon and then another plane hit one of the towers. And as we were watching, another plane hit the second tower. And in that moment, in that moment, it was like everything shifted. In that moment for my life, everything began to change. How many of you, you are the same way? Things begin to change. Because um, in that time, you started to see how vulnerable you were. And uh, I had to process some things, and I had to ask myself some questions, and I had to remind myself of those things. And that's what I, I want to talk to you about today. The way that I process this in this moment, because this is really something that, that um that happened to me. And so I'm going to talk about three reminders that came from September 11th. And I, I believe many of you had these same reminders. And if not, I believe that God can use these to touch your life today. Three reminders that came, came from September 11th. Let's pray before we get started. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for our nation. We thank you for our freedom. Lord, we pray that you begin to speak to us today. Begin to remind us who you are and what you want to do in our lives. We thank you for this church. We thank you for everybody that's here. Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit's here. Begin to work in us. Lord, we pray for the saints right now, the first game. We need it, the New Orleans Saints. Let them win. We need the Raiders defeated in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, don't judge me. They can get all the help they need. God cares about saints too. We are, the only, we are the only spiritual team in the NFL. He should just help us out a little bit. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, this is the first game I'm in in early today. Just to let you know, <laughs> I'm in it early. Starts at 12 o'clock on the dot. <laughs> there, were, there were three reminders that I had and that you probably had when we saw that we were under attack and 3,000 people died. I mean, it is hard to fathom. They said it took almost a whole year to stop finding, uh, you know, the remnant of the, that terrible blast. And uh, one of the things that, that it was a reminder of, and we've had this lately, but, but to this magnitude, one of the reminders was that life is short, that life is short. And that we don't know when we're going to go. Am I right about it? That we like to think that we've got this thing secure and, and, you know, we set up everything to where we want to feel like, uh, you know, uh, we've got this long life. But even when you look in the Bible, we recognize that this life is short. In James, in the book of James, we see he says that this life is nothing but a vapor. It comes and it goes, it's a puff of smoke, Mark, come on up man I, i've I've used this illustration, yeah, get mark a hand. he's wearing the colors today. <laughs> I've used this illustration that our life you can back up a little bit, our life sometimes we we look at our life and this can this can represent our eternal life, this can represent our life it, but if you look at this. Millimeter mark right here. This represents right here our life here on earth. I mean, if we think about it, we're not living really for this life because we've got an eternity with God, right? We've got an eternity with God. And this, let's give him a hand. I, you're just awesome. <laughs> We have etern- sometimes our minds don't wrap around that because we always try to make sure that we're good in this life, but the Bible says that we should be working towards an eternal life. And so, you know, it is human nature for us to, even with our kids, to try to protect them with this life and try to make sure that, that we prepare them for this life. For example, when, when uh, Noah, when he was little, he was learning how to ride a bike. And uh, when he was learning how to ride a bike, I wanted the first thing I wanted to teach him was before you get to the road, you need to look both ways. And so we would get to the road and I would test him every time he would look both ways. And if you forget, I'd be like, you got to look both ways. And uh, we got up to the road and he looked over and there was a dead squirrel on the road. It was just and he was young. So he was processing. He said, "Uh, Dad, what's up with that squirrel? And I said, well, son, that that squirrel's dead. And he's like, so um, it's not breathing? I said, no, son, the squirrel's dead. He said, so uh, he's not going to go back and see his mom. And de- I said, son, the squirrel is dead. He's gone. He, it's over. He said, so he's not, is he going to wake up in the morning? I said, son, he's dead. The squirrel is dead. And, and I looked at him, and I thought it could be a learning lesson. And I said, do you know why he's dead, son? He said, no. I said, because the squirrel did not look both ways. <laughs> And in his mind, he thought, I, I need to. And I started to think, you know, we work so hard to try to prepare our children and even our lives for this life. But how many of you know it's even more important to be prepared in the life that comes after we breathe our last breath? And this is a a stunning reminder in these kind of times because uh tomorrow tomorrow is really too late to know if you're right for eternity am i right you know the next the next thought that i uh that processed that i processed was am i ready am i ready Am I ready? If something happened to me, would I be ready? See, this is the problem, is that I believed in God. I believed in God. I came uh, from a great home. My parents raised me, right? Uh, I believed in God. But this is the problem. I didn't know him. You know, the Bible says it it doesn't matter if you believe in God. Even the demons do that. It matters if you know him. And in my heart, I knew that I really didn't know him because of my life The way I lived my life, I mean, I believed in them, but I never had an encounter with them. How many of you know that when you were lost, you were lost? That first sin was fun, and then sin started to take a hold of you, and what you thought would make you happy started to make you empty, and you started to lose who you were. And sin has a thing, the world has a thing about it that, you know, it is like kind of all about you. What you can get, what satisfies you, what makes you feel good, it's all about you. And if you don't watch it, it starts to entangle you. And before you know it, even if you believe in God, you can hear about people that have a relationship with God, but it seems distant, and God seems far away from you, and he seems like a million miles away. And the truth is, a lot of you that gave your life to God, you would, you would admit today if it wasn't for God, you don't know where you would be. Those people that think they just ran to God because they had it all together, chances are you haven't even figured it out yet. Because one thing that I realized is I thought I had to run to God to get to know God, but in the whole time, God was running after me. And in a situation that seemed like dark, in those situations, they don't have to come from God, but God can use them for you to run after him. And the whole time, he is seeking after you. Aren't you glad that God died for the ungodly. Yeah, give God a hand if you want to. God died for the ungodly. Without his grace, we don't know where we would be. God gave his life even when you weren't living right, even when you neglected his name. He still came after you. Some of you, you gave your life to God and you feel that condemnation all the time. The truth is he's a good father. There's nothing that you can do Or there's nothing you can't do to make him love you more. He's a good father. And in that moment, I realized, man, I want to change, but I don't know how to change. You ever been there? I want to change, but the harder I try, the more I begin to get into a pit. Paul even said this. Paul that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he said, listen, this is the problem. I want to do good, but the more I want to do good, I do bad. You read that scripture, you're like, I understand what you're talking about, Paul. You know, the more you want to do good, the further away. Because this is the secret. This is the secret. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's only by the grace of God and what Jesus has done on the cross and experiencing him, it's only by that power that you can begin to walk after him and begin to know him. How many of you are glad you got to know Jesus? How many of you are glad that you got to meet him? When you met them, you realized that this thing had you can you can try, you can strive after it, but really it's giving up. It's giving up your life. There are people that try to chase after God and get God's approval. They'll never be able to get God's approval because they already got it. God already loves them, and so they work so hard, and the more the harder they work, the farther they feel away from God, but it is really giving up. It's like a child saying, Dad, I need you. You know, even as natural parents, when your child is, is screaming in the other room, you know, there's a whine and then there's a cry because that cry says, God, I need you. I need you. I need, I, I, I need you in my life. I can't live without you. And that's really the first step of giving your life to God. A lot of times we give our life to God and we think we got it all together and then we put God on the back burner. So now that we got our our, our relationship with God, we think we don't need God. And that's when Paul said, hey, who, who messed up with your thinking? Who messed up your thinking? Because God, he wants you to always need him. And really giving your life to God is giving up your life. It's saying, God, I need you. I need a relationship with you because this life of sin, this life of the world, is keeping me far away from you. And I believe what God wants to do today is with many of us, remind us that we need him. And if you don't know him, that you don't have to live your life trying to get it together to get to know him. You can start right now to give your life to God and then he gets it all together. That's how God works. Isn't he a good father? See, because we consume our lives with things that we try, to, we try to forget about the eternity part. And so we consume our lives with the things of the world. See, God wants us to enjoy our lives, but he doesn't want us to be enslaved by it. God wants us to enjoy the things of this life, but he doesn't want those things to be a master. He wants to be our master. And the only way to cut those ties is to really see what Jesus did on the cross for us. The only way to be able to to really eliminate those things is to see how good God is. And I think this is what I really experienced. It wasn't coming to church and thinking, man, if I don't come to church, I'm going to hell. (laughs) That might change you, but it didn't change me. What changed me was, man, God loves me so much, he believes in me. And he died for me. He's he's seeking after me. He wants more of me. And it began to be this draw. And today I believe some of you, you're feeling that draw. For some of you, you might be in church. You might have been in church for 30 years but not really know him. You know, the Bible says that in that day many people are going to say, God, you know, I did all kinds of things in your name. I... I." uh, I healed people. I said prayers in your names. I did miracles. And he said, listen, depart from me. I never knew you. And the real truth of the matter is it doesn't matter how much you know about God. It matters how much you really have a personal relationship with him. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He, He has a great plan for you. Don't you love that scripture in Jeremiah? The scripture in Jeremiah that says, I know the plans that I have for you. They're for good and that you prosper. See, the only way that we can know God's plan for our life is to get to know him. A lot of times we have our own plans and it's not even God's plan. We have our own agenda, but it's not God's agenda. And the only way that we can really get to know God is to submit our lives to God. And it really is that point where you begin to let go of the things that you're holding on to. You know, just like, a, uh, just like a dog, if a dog, if he's chewing on a bone, you're not going to get that bone away from him, right? You're not getting it away. I don't like dogs. I'm sorry. I don't like dogs because a dog bit me when I was little because I tried to get food away from him. And, and you'll learn if you try to give, get something away from a dog, a bone, something that he kind of likes, he's not going to take it unless you show him something better that he likes, As soon as he sees something better than he likes, he'll spit that thing out and he'll grab that steak that you have, right? It's the same thing with God. It's going to be hard to let go of what you have in your life until you see how good God is. You know, the Bible says that he is rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. That he's a good father. And this is my question for you today. My question for you today is do you know him? Because this is the process that I had to have on 9-11. Do I know him? Do I know him? Or just do I know of him? Am I trying to live my life? Am I my own master? Or is he my Lord? See, a lot of people want to make Jesus their Lord or Savior, but not their Lord. And see, God will never ask you to do anything where there's a blessing where there's not a blessing on the other side. And see, a lot of times we think, man, if I give my life to God, I gotta gotta stop doing this, 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 this. No, it's not like that. When you give your life to God, you begin to want to do the right things. And it comes with grace. It comes because God loved you so much. And it's that so much that we have to experience. God loved you so much that He gave His only Son. I was talking to Noah the other day, and uh, we were we were reading the Bible and I started, we were st- talking about God in the Old Testament, and uh, we were talking about how people, you know, how do you know God? Because in the Old Testament, the only way that people recognize God or related to God was like this thunder and lightning and this scary, you know, kind of thing. And, he, you know, you could tell even in him, in his mindset, he was getting kind of like freaked out. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, God in the Old Testament, if you did something right, you're like gone. You know what I mean? And I said, well, you know, the only reason, I started talking to him, the only reason that God showed us that was so that he can send his son to show us who the father really is. He sent his son Jesus to show who the father really is. If you want to see a picture of God and what God looks like, look at Jesus. Look at who he was. And Noah started asking questions about Jesus. Who did Jesus hang out with? This was kind of hard to tell that Jesus, I had to tell my son, you know, honestly, Jesus didn't really like church people too much. He was like, wait, what? I said, honestly, it was the church people that Jesus didn't like because they thought they were too good for him and they had self-righteousness in their heart. If you hung around Jesus, you would probably find him at the hospital. If you hung around Jesus, you would probably find him with the people that don't have it all together. If you hung around Jesus, you would probably see him with the prostitutes. If you hung around Jesus, you would probably see him with those that need a physician. The Bible says that he is our great physician. And if you're sitting here today and you feel like you're not qualified, you're the person that's qualified. If you're sitting here today and you think, I got it all together, you're unqualified. Because Jesus is looking for those that know that they need him. And I can stand here before you today with the with the suit on and all that I'm just a fella in the in the same ship that I need his grace, I need his mercy, I need his love and as long as I focus on that and experience that, this life is a vapor man, it comes and it goes and I had to explain to my son I said look, the truth is you know because when you bring them to school you're trying to You're trying to think, you know, I hope that, you know, he surrounds himself by good people and, you know, he's hanging around the right people and, you know, you're thinking, how can I put him in this little bubble of love and comfort or something? And, uh, you know, I felt like God saying, like, where would I be? You know, we try to protect our kids so much, but the truth of the matter is that they need to be the light of the world. Where would Jesus be? Do we need to grow a generation that thinks, you know, I don't do that, but you do that. I don't do that, but you do that. That's that sect of people. I don't, I'm too good for that. I think we all know what those kind of people are like. How about we become the people that say, if it wasn't for God, I don't know where I would be. I could be on the street. I could be dead. I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for God. Come on. And God today... God today is looking and searching for a heart that needs him. He's searching for a heart that needs him, that doesn't have it all together. It says, man, I need need a Savior. As a matter of fact, this life, this life is empty. You know, more success is not going to make you happy. More money is not going to make you happy. Well, I don't know, some of us might make us happy. It's not going to make you happy. Once you get the money, it's going to go, as you're not going to be fulfilled. You're like, man, if I can, if that check just came in, or if that promotion just happened, or if I, I can have that desk in the, in the corner of the office, or if I can, those, those things are not going to make you happy. If I can just widen my influence, if I, if I can just, you know, uh, if, if I can just have a family, if I can just have a husband, if I could just find a wife, then I'll be happy. Those things are not going to make you happy. How many people that we've seen have rose all the way to the top to find themselves empty and broken? The only thing that fills us is Jesus. The only thing that fills us is Jesus. i got to ask you, what are you filled of today? Do you need him? Is he your Savior? Because The Bible says that the only way that we'll even know his will is if we begin to put on his mind and begin to say, God, my thinking is messed up. I need your thinking. I need your heart. I need your ways. I can't do it on my own. Some of you, it's just a simple saying, God, I can't do this on my own. You're trying to patch up your marriage. You're trying to patch up your kids. It's like duct tape everywhere. It's just a temporary fix. And the real problem is we just need to put God first. He's not trying to hold out on you. He's trying to give you the best. The Bible says that he has precious, perfect promises for your life. That's good news for you. Because if you're wondering what is God's will for my life, when you get in it, it's really good. And you're filled up. Don't you want to just know God and fill him and do what he's called you to do? We live in a generation that we always want to look at somebody else and look at what they're doing. Forget what they're doing. You're running your race. I love that picture of Michael Phelps when he's swimming. <laughs> On Facebook, he's swimming, and they got the person in the other lane looking at him while he's winning. And it says that losers look at winners and winners look at And winners just look at winning. Quit looking at people in the other lane. Some of us have a generational Instagram mentality. You're happy about everything you have until you see what somebody else has got. What if you didn't know that anybody had that stuff? Maybe if we should just be happy and fulfilled with knowing God and being His purpose for our lives and being fulfilled doing His will every single day, what does that life look like? It looks fulfilled. Jesus skipped out on lunch one day because he saw a prostitute at a well, and, and, you know, the disciples was with him, and Jesus said, y'all go ahead. They went and ate. They came back, and they said, Jesus, did you eat? And they saw him ministering to this lady, and he said, you don't know the food that I fill up with. He said, the food that I get filled up with is the will of my Father. And this is the question that I have for you today. Are you filled? Are you happy? Are you happy? Many of us are searching for the thing that makes us happy. Relationship, the right job, the right friends, the right family, the right 401K, the right retirement plan. But the truth is, this life is only a vapor. The Bible says that our lives are hidden in Jesus in heavenly places. And I want to give you an opportunity today. If you say, you know what, I, I maybe I know of God, but I feel like I'm not having a relationship with him because I don't feel filled up. I feel empty. I feel empty. You know, it's an it's a empty person that begins to, Just go after the next thing that makes them happy and the next thing. And before they know it, they get, all their convictions are are numb. Remember when you were little and you did something wrong? uh, Me too. (laughs) (laughs) When you are little, you did something wrong and you like felt bad about it. Remember that feeling you felt bad about it? But then you get a little older and you don't feel bad about anything. You're like, I don't really, I don't really care doesn't really bother me. You know, that's an indicator that God wants to invade your life and begin to control your life. You say, control me like how? Control you not like tell you every little thing to do. Control you in in that your mind begins to get washed and get cleansed. How many of you, you love that you're able to have a fresh start with God? Some of you. The whole time I'm talking, you're thinking about all the things you did wrong before you came in here. That's not the voice of God. That's condemnation. Let me give you a news flash. Your past is over. As soon as you repent, as soon as you say, God, listen, I do away with that in my life. I do away with that in my life. Paul said there's one thing I do, forget the past and begin to look forward. To begin to look forward towards God. How many of you want to say today, today I'm forgetting the past. Some of you, you're so inundated with the finger being pointed at you. As you're talking, you're thinking all the things that you should have done and shouldn't have done. I love when Jesus found the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. That's embarrassing. I mean, you might got caught some doing some bad things. I don't know if you got caught in the act. If you did, I'm praying for you after service. <laughs> this woman got caught in the act of adultery. Drug the Pharisees, the Christian people, drug them out, drug her out, and said, God, the law, Jesus, the, the law says you should stone them. And, and Jesus said, those of you without an offense, you cast the first stone. I think it's interesting that from the youngest to the oldest that they drop their stones. Because the older that you get, you realize the more that you need God. The older that you get, the more that you realize, I can't do this thing without him. And the youngest to the oldest begin to drop their stones. And he looked at the woman that was caught in the act and he said, where are your accusers? She said, there are none. And he said, go and sin no more. You know the antidote from feeling that condemnation, the antidote of trying to do good and only getting yourself so far? The antidote is that you know that God loves you and he's saying today, I forgive you. Where are your, where are your accusers? You need to hear The rocks drop from Satan's hand today because the Bible says that he is the accuser of the brethren. Day and night, he sits up and he accuses and says, you know what he did? You know what she did? And today, you have to know that the blood of Jesus washes all that accusation away so that you can step into the perfect plan of God for your life. Come on. Today, if you say, I know that I need to have a relationship with God. If everybody can close their eyes and bow their heads, we can get somebody to come and play. I want, I want you to be able right now to evaluate your heart on this day of 9-11 to be able to say, you know what, am I living for today or am I living for eternal life? And if I'm living for that, am I ready?